0: person of interest podcast episode number nine you are being watched an artificial
1: intelligence a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins is spying on you every hour of every day We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team.
0: Welcome back. Or welcome to if it's your first time person of interest podcast we're delighted that you have joined us for this episode i am daryl and uh, you know what doug i just updated my firmware on my router it turns out i was able to create 3d maps of every house in the neighborhood i'm
1: gonna have something to say about that a little later oh okay (laughs) oh man and i'm doug i'm sitting in my penthouse wondering if i can remember the code to my vault oh otherwise i'd have to blow it up glad to have you with us we're covering person of interest for season four episode nine which originally aired november 25th 2014 entitled the devil you know
0: yeah and comes to find out didn't really have anything to do with our constantine podcast
1: no it's it's i can't imagine why it wouldn't
0: have you know it just (laughs) seemed like a perfect lead-in i know right i mean who cares that it's on a different network It was a good episode, though. That is for sure. Well, like I said, we're glad that you have joined us for this episode. We are doing it a little bit earlier this week because here in the United States, Thanksgiving is this week, Thursday of this week, the fourth Thursday of November. So we are recording this on a Wednesday early evening so that we can have tomorrow off to spend with our families and, hey, maybe even give you a little podcast to listen to A day earlier, if you so choose. If you're going to be taking part in any of the Christmas shopping, Black Friday deals or any of that stuff over at Amazon, we would sure appreciate it if you would use the link goldenspiralmedia.com slash Amazon. That'll take you over there right to Amazon. You'll get their same fast shipping and excellent prices. And they will give us a portion of your purchase. And that would help support everything that we do here at Golden Spiral Media. And you will get a little bit of our gratitude as well. So thank you in advance for those of you who choose to do that. A little bit of it, yeah. Or maybe a lot of it. Maybe so. That gratitude. We're pretty pretty grateful.
1: Especially tomorrow. If you do it tomorrow, we'll be extremely grateful.
0: That's right. And nothing says how grateful we are by going out and killing people for a TV set the following day. So, please don't do that. Please. No one needs a TV that bad.
1: Well, this uh, this episode that we're talking about today was written by Eric Mountain and directed by the same guy who directed it last week, Richard J. Lewis. And it really was, you know, you'll see when, he's, when it starts up, there was really no, you are being watched. None of that. It was pretty much a... Um, a part two or just to pick up where you left off we don't do previously on person of interest we just do you know machine view uh a video so that was that was pretty cool i like that
0: yeah i I liked it too it was uh, you know we, we talked last week about how i think i'm going bump my rating down because I, I said i want to leave some room for next week and maybe my expectation was a little bit too high i love the episode we'll get to our ratings here in just a few minutes but uh it was not quite as good as I was expecting, but still an amazing episode, and I liked that it did. It just picked right up where we left off last week.
1: Well, in terms of ratings, a lot of people seem to have liked it. Well, let me talk about these numbers, and maybe, because uh, we're not entirely sure. For example, this week, our rating within the demographic, 18 to 49, was 1.7, which was up from last week's 1.6, so we're getting in a little higher ranges as uh, versus what we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. But the number of Viewers dropped down out of the nines, eight point eight six million. So it's like, well, I guess that meant we grabbed a, you know, if some of the some of the viewership migrated down into the lower, you know, lower uh, age group. So uh, so that's interesting. Maybe the younger folks were more interested in seeing the second half of this versus the older folks. I don't know, but it's the rating I think that really uh, sells it to the uh, to the networks. You know, how much can we do for advertising and uh, What's the chance we're going to renew it? So I'm happy with that.
0: Yep, you're right. I'm happy with it too. I mean, I'd love to have higher rating and higher viewership, but hmm. I guess if we had to pick between the two, I guess it would be the the rating because that is what tends to keep shows on the air versus just straight-up viewers.
1: Now, Daryl, this is an interesting bit of uh, hi- uh, hi- uh, some news that I got today about uh, about person of interest. TV uh-huh. line the headline was, a Fringe alum is now a person of interest. That's and right. And Blair Brown, she played, as they say, multiple versions of Nina Sharp on the <laughs> defunct Fox series, will now appear in a February episode of the CBS drama as Emma. An elegant, which that's kind of how she was in, uh, in Fringe as well, yep. an elegant and warm former public school teacher, uh, you know, not the head of some massive dynamic company, Emma was forced into early retirement, but a jury summons brings the promise of some excitement, at least in the form of Reese and Finch, back into her life. So that'll be interesting. It'd be good to see that.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to having Blair Brown. She made an appearance on Falling Skies, I think in season two. Might have been season one. It was way back when. And oh, that, that was the last time I saw her on a show that I that I watched. So I'm looking forward to to having her on person of interest and I'll be looking to see if she has both of her arms or if one of them is a robotic arm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, what other what else do we have in the way of news or or uh, are we ready to give our personal ratings here? Well, we have some old news first uh, oh, and, yes, is okay. that
1: we're putting in the meetings here we have some old news. We had some feedback from the previous episode and mostly because we kind of did it early last week as well right uh, not quite this early, but anyway, Andrew wrote, wrote in and said, reverting to the whole numbers for simplicity, I give the episode and he's talking about honor among thieves. He gave the episode nine failed chat requests. mm-hmm. Samaritans somehow felt more prominent and menacing here, especially following the Honor Among Thieves ending, like a shark sensing blood in the water. On the other hand, Samaritan's POV also worked to a comedic effect, with the slight frame jump just before Reese and Silva took out the two gangsters outside the school. I liked Katya's and Romeo's parts and the fact that they showed some toughness, but Martine's coercion proved all too effective. The way she pointed at the phone when Katya was about to walk away was chilling even on the second viewing. Dominic had his strongest showing yet, especially in the classroom scene. If the math teacher he referred to was Finch, as Mr. Swift, I think we'd need more context, since Dominic doesn't look like he was in high school just two years earlier. The writers have a timeline of everything that's happened thus far, so it's unlikely that this is something they overlooked. Finch and Shaw make the mini connection, making the mini connection was placed in such a way that it was a reveal specifically for them and added to the tension by touching a nerve for Shaw when her cover was already in danger. The HR references may have been one too many, and the reference to Carter was less impactful than the one in *Profits*. But I enjoy Reese and Silva's interactions. All in all, it was a very exciting episode with a whopper of a cliffhanger. And since Kevin Schabon didn't get the Emmy for a performance by an actor tied to a chair, mm-hmm, <laughs> hopefully he gets hopefully he gets Best Snoring. Thank you. By an actor in a sleeping role, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah, and uh, so he mentions the callback to finch in the in the episode a couple of seasons ago Uh, we also got this one in from scott in cape cod he says hi daryl and doug i can't take credit for this observation i read it in the comments section of a poi review but i did the research and it's true it shows the depth of quality writing and the plan that this show constantly displays this is but another example Last week, in the eighth episode of season four, entitled Point of Origin, gang leader Dominic draws a circle on a blackboard and recounts a lesson a math teacher once taught him when he was in high school about the infinite possibilities contained within that one simple circle and how it inspired a big, quiet kid in the back of the class. Unbelievably, this is a callback to season two, episode 11, called Two Pi R where Finch, posing as a math teacher, taught the exact same lesson to the class. So Dominic was in Finch's class two years before he was introduced to us this year, and in essence, Finch became Dominic's point of origin. I've attached a link to a YouTube video showing Dominic's lesson, and one to Finch's lesson two years ago. Also, a screen cap that shows a young Dominic sitting in the back of the class as he has a hood on. Have you ever seen anything like this before? The tapestry this show weaves is like no other. By the way, 2 R is an awesome episode, and anyone who jumps into this show should go back and watch that one for sure. And then he has the links, and um,
1: we'll have the links to it in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. yeah.
0: Did you watch the
1: uh, the two videos? I did it was really nice I you know it, it's the first one the the one with Finch uh, two seasons ago mm-hmm. was about the fact that you know, he draws the circle and the diameter and somebody asks you know what's this good for what are we, were we ever going to use it? He says, well, think about this. the number pi is the uh the ratio between the circumference and the diameter it's three point one four one five nine and, and it goes on forever, never repeating, which means that within that number of pi is your address your locker combination you know the uh, the how tall your you know best friend was everything every number that you can ever think of is in there somewhere and if you turn those numbers into letters then everything that has been ever written every shakespeare sonnet your last homework assignment it's all in there so he goes back to the girl and says what is it good for well i suppose that's up to you Mm -hmm. but all of the you know possibilities are in that one number it's interesting how he philosophizes that and dominic really virtually says exactly the same thing i mean just about the same thing it's 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 really it's eerie so yeah i'm gonna put those definitely in the uh, in the show notes
0: yeah it's really quite good scott also called in as a follow-up to what he wrote in so let me play that for us right now
2: hey daryl and doug this is scott from cape cod how you doing um I sent you an email a couple of days ago uh, regarding the point of origin um, episode of Person of Interest. And uh, that delineated very well what I'm about to say. But um, you, then I li- started listening to your episode discussion, and uh, you were both seemed to be a little confused about why they named the episode Point of Origin. Well, I think it refers specifically to um, Dominic's point of origin when they m- made that callback when Finch was his math teacher two seasons ago, which is why this show is just ridiculously good. And uh, they drew the circle on the blackboard, and this was the Pi 2R episode. They drew the circle on the blackboard, and they both did the same speech. And the Finch's speech was that there are infinite possibilities within this circle, and what you make of it is up to you. And uh, that struck Dominic as the big, quiet kid in the back of the class to become what he's become, to rule the streets of New York. And uh, so Finch created Dominic is basically the point of origin there, and, and that's what I think. And uh, that's why this show is so bleeping good. Anyway, thanks, guys. I love the podcast. I love. I listen to all of them on Golden Spiral. Don't call in too much. Maybe I'll in- increase the call, Collins. But uh, there you go.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Just just a, a follow up there with what he said, and you know when he first wrote it in, I, I had the same thought. I thought, well, that's the point of origin. That's where Dominic got the 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 idea of of what he could become. And, and if you, as you think about what device was used, Doug to to create those circles, it was a compass, and a compass starts with a point that you put in, and then you you make the circle right there. That's and when, even thinking about it in those terms. I mean. That moment in the classroom with uh Finch that day was probably the the point where Dominic was pricked if you will like a compass would prick a piece of paper and then he began to map out in his mind where he could see him going from there where he could spread and 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 just go outward from there and so I think even even that kind of uh, ties it in a little bit more but um I'm glad that that Scott and Andrew wrote this in because I missed it. I, I did read on one of the, uh, the I think it's the fan wiki for uh, last week. I read it somewhere on there, but I didn't make the connection. I didn't think it was, for me, it didn't click. And so I didn't think it was worth bringing into last week's show. So if Andrew and, and Scott hadn't you know called in or written in with this information, it wouldn't have been mentioned on our podcast. And so, so grateful that they did and, and made sure that we were able to uh, communicate that to the rest of the listeners so that we could all, be on board with with the true meaning and the significance of last week's episode title.
1: Andrew has a point in his you know his previous mention. And he's also mentioned in the chat room too. The Dominic, the the actor doesn't seem like he's just two years out of high school. Mm. But um, yeah, I understand that. And that's this is that's probably a little bit of a hand wave that to you know we're, we're, it's not going to be perfectly lined up necessarily. He may not be twenty one or something like that. He's certainly young enough. But yeah, that that that's. Uh, that's certainly uh, it, 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 it. You lose a little bit there, but I don't think that's uh, that's that's too much to to just assume with uh, within the storyline.
0: Yeah, and Barb's also in the chat room right now as we as we're doing this show live, like we try to do every week, and she says it definitely seems like he's older, but she'll buy into it for storyline purposes, and I think that's definitely. I'm definitely willing to buy into it as well. He doesn't seem that much older. I think he's 23, 24 probably at the at the latest or oldest. So I can buy it. I'll play. I'll play along. All righty, Daryl. What did you think
1: of this week's episode?
0: <laughs> well, uh, like I said, maybe I had my expectation a little bit too high. I think I gave last week a 9 or a 9.5. I think I gave it a 9.5 if memory serves, but I wouldn't trust my memory. But this week, I gave it 9 blown-up boys' homes. <laughs> what about you?
1: I gave. I actually went all the way, and I gave it ten requests for a raise in the middle of a firefight. <laughs>
0: nice.
1: Yes, yeah, so that's yeah. that's a really impactful there. Yeah. Um, I just thought that the, you know, there was there was a little bit of action there. Uh, most of what went on in this episode was in the dialogue, was in the interactions, was in the reveals about the the brotherhood that Elias had with him, and so. I just I just thought the writing there was just incredible. So I gave it a, I, I went ahead and gave it uh, the 10. This is the kind of thing I would like to see more of. Maybe a little more action, you know, in general, but but overall the plot line and uh the, you know, how they put it all together was uh, was really well done.
0: Yeah, this is this is standard POI. And yeah, there was there was a lot of action, though, a lot of gunfire, you know, at the beginning with with the two ladies shooting mm-hmm. up the uh the cosmetics counter, a lot of action there at the boys' home and and in between So it had a definite nice bit of action and also probably worth pointing out. I think I've got it in the notes somewhere. Not a lot of kneecapping action, a lot of, you know, real lives at stake here, real lives being taken. There was no kneecapping in this episode, but the dialogue in this episode was absolutely fantastic. The music I thought was fantastic in this episode. It played along very nicely And there's a little hidden Easter egg in here too that we'll talk about here in just a few minutes that I can't wait to talk about. Man, maybe I should have given this a ten after all. I don't know. (laughs) Well, where do you want to start our discussion, Doug?
1: Oh, golly. Well, let's leave the Shaw thing to later because you know it really wasn't. uh, That wasn't the B story. There wasn't much of a uh, big deal. It was mostly getting her off the stage kind of thing for the for this episode, and who knows for how much longer. But uh, I just liked uh, you know the person of interest was Carl Elias. I don't think I have ever remembered the fact that he has a first name or maybe I thought his first name was Elias, uh, but okay. uh, yeah, yeah so he he but so we find out right from the beginning he's the devil we know, and that, like I said last week, the fact that this is similarly named to uh the devil's share from last year where we lost Josh Carter, I thought we were going to lose Elias in this one because he was. Literally, the devil we know versus Dominic, the devil we don't, and um, so. But then we start adding some more players. Bruce Moran, who is his uh, his uh, accountant, basically his mob accountant. We see a little more in this episode of Scarface, Antonio. So we are getting to know his. His organization more personally now, not just Elias, but you know some of the people who are uh, hanging around him and, and, and working with him. And we also see later on that these these three in particular are very close to him. I think it was that they were all in the boys' home, correct?
0: That's right. Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, and then it's like, well, is this you know maybe it's not Elias? Maybe it's you know somebody else here. And as it turns out, it was so. You know, just just putting that all together was uh, was really nice. And you know, Antonio was not really—he didn't have too much in the way of speaking lines ever. I mean, until this episode, we didn't see his uh, his personality come out much, as much as we did in this one. And I guess that was like—that's—that's the kiss of death. If you start finding out more about a particular uh, character, you know, a side character, maybe that means they're not not long for this world.
0: Well, true. And, but there was, I mean, they were trying to sell us the entire episode that Elias's number was up, quite literally. And he was even seeming to make his peace with that reality. So was Antonio throughout this episode. Both of them seemed to be making their peace with the reality that there was a changing of the guard, which was going to end with their lives. And man, I was buying it. I was, I was thinking, look, I've told you from the beginning, I love the elias character so the idea that we were going to be losing elias was i was sad i was like no i don't want him to die i was totally thinking he was i was totally thinking he was Uh, what about you were you were you were you going for it too or were you going nah they won't kill elias
1: i did at the beginning then i pulled back but then when he pulls the gun on john so that john won't follow him into the building again Uh then i said oh that's it that's it he's gone yeah yeah, it was but, well but done. But he wasn't. So you know that it's just just the whole you know the the you can see the relationship between he and Antonio, mm-hmm. and uh, and and how Antonio you know how he was willing to you know give his life for his friend there. You know now you can you know make the make the um, the, the observation that yeah, give his life for his mob friend. You know one mob friend for another. Yes, and you know it's in addition to. Being able to being willing to lay down your life, you know. It, there's also, you know, good versus evil intentions. There, you know, you don't want to. You don't necessarily, you know. If I gave my life for some, you know, some evil person, it, there's a saving grace in it. But there is also, you know, some other things to to consider. And so that's that's the same sort of thing that uh, that Antonio was doing. Uh, but but otherwise, yeah, I know it was a great. Um, you got to see. Why? There was a motivation there. There isn't much. He's just the boss. It's that these are kids who have grown up. Now, I would have lived, liked to have known that a little earlier than this, uh, because, you know, person of interest is, as I have said before, uh, show that lets things build up naturally. We talked about, uh, the, uh, animosity between Root and Finch and how that little by little naturally thawed, uh, knowing if had we known this a little earlier about them then we I think we could have seen that uh that bond buildup. Now we didn't have we didn't have Elias in a lot of season three and that sort of thing, so it really wasn't a, a chance to do that. But that would have been nice.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I hear what you're saying. when I watched the episode back through for the second time today you know, some of the dialogue had more meaning because I knew where what it was alluding to. And I, I kind of liked that they were cloaking some things from us. And uh, uh, so I, I don't know. I kind of like the way it all played out. Um, but let's talk about the the, the first meeting that uh, Elias has. So once John has, has met up with him, John tells him, look, you know, that if I'm here and your number has come up, you know enough about what we do to know that this is a very serious matter. Uh, Elias feels like he can take care of it himself, but. John's going to stick with him. They make a visit to a guy named Gino. And I loved this, this meeting with Gino. I love the way that they, uh, Gino will start sweating and twitching and all that stuff. But there was a very, very significant Easter egg in this scene, which I didn't pick up on until I had the knowledge of, of what was going to happen. So on, on my second watch, I caught it. When we first get into that restaurant scene, they're showing some boxing images as the camera pans around to see them all sitting at the table. And the one that they paused the longest on and they show most prominently is a, an image of George Foreman, an older George Foreman, standing over the knocked out body, if you will, of Michael Moore. And when you think about this battle that's going between the old guard and the new guard, this is a very significant image. I found a newspaper article, and I'm going to read just a portion of it to you. This is dated November 5th. 2013 and it says on this day so november 5th 1994 it says on this day 1994 george foreman age 45 that's old that's grandpa for for a boxer boxer, right he became boxing's oldest heavyweight champion when he defeated 26 year old michael Moore in the 10th round of their wba fight in las vegas and then it goes on to talk about how Michael Moore was dethroned as the heavyweight champion. He was thirty-five and O, and Foreman, uh, you know, uh, dedicated his win to his all of his buddies in the nursing home and all the guys in jail. <laughs> and you know, when you think about that, George Foreman had been a heavyweight champion, so it's not quite the same where he had lost the heavyweight championship, retired, come back. You know, so that's not quite a perfect parallel here to what we have with Elias and Dominic. But what I what I'm drawing out of this is. Here's a man that everyone said was old and couldn't do it. He had no chance. It was time for the changing of the guard. Michael Moore was young. He was the guy. And there's a lot to be said about wisdom and determination and a lack of hubris, you know, taking your opponent Mm -hmm. seriously. All these things that George Foreman probably brought with him into the ring that night for that fight. And he walked away victorious. And when we see this picture early on in the episode, it really should have served to us as a clue that... The old man isn't going to walk out of this fight beaten, and I loved it when I watched him the second the second time through. It just meant so much more to me uh, when I saw it. So that was a really nice little Easter egg that they threw in there for us.
1: That's amazing. Uh, did you? So you found that uh, elsewhere? Because if because I would have been really impressed. Did you Did you happen to notice that the, 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 who those were, who the boxers were? In that I time?
0: I recognized George Foreman. I didn't oh, okay. know who All Michael right. Moore was. I didn't recognize that. So I did a Google search. Uh, I did an images search for George Foreman uh, victory images. And it. Until you found it. And then I found the image. And then through uh, the image, I've, I found the article. Yeah.
1: I'm impressed. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, th- this is. Yeah. This is great. This is not necessarily just writing, but this is, you know, images. And, you know, they're thinking ahead here and they're letting. They're giving us a bit of a. I wonder if that's, you know, if that is not just. Uh, a, a foreshadowing of this episode where Elias is able to, you know, d- not defeat, but at least uh, get out from under uh, uh, Dominic. If this is going to be actually a foreshadowing for this season where uh, Elias actually does come out on top and uh, takes down the new guard.
0: I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I love <laughs> Elias. I love the Dominic character. Listen, I think it's cool. I love what they're doing with him. I think it's the actors doing a great job with it. But i 'm more invested in in elias i 've always said he 's one of my favorite characters so i'm and for it, him. Seems,
1: it seems the machine is in, invested in Elias as well because Dominic does make the the proper assessment that somebody 's keeping him you know, somebody 's protecting him well, and it 's right. really team machine because the machine is asking them to do that, so the you know we, I think there is a an overarching question that we might get answered this season, and that is why what is the purpose of keeping uh, keeping Elias as the head of the crime, you know, bosses in New York. Is there a, a is there a reason why not just take him out? Why not you know let the get rid of the bad guy? Well, you know, maybe there is a maybe there's a reason.
0: Well, even Finch in this episode talked about the advantage of having Elias as the crime boss versus Dominic. I mean, yeah, he still he is a crime boss, but at least there's a there's he's a balanced crime boss if you will i mean they he he also is the devil they know they know how to work with him and with with beside him i guess you could say and i had another thought there um oh that was and this is a note i have here at the end of the episode but but you mentioned that elias's number came up here i mean do you foresee a time in the future where dominic's number would come up because you you just talked about how Elias seems to be being protected by the machine a little bit here. I mean, with that in mind, do you see that the the machine, would it ever pop up Dominic's number and say, hey, guys, here's a number for you? I'm
1: trying to think if there would be a good reason for the machine to want to keep this battle going. Um, Because that's, I mean, if you're going to keep, the only reason I can see keeping Dominic alive you know, via his number in the machine, would be because we're getting rid of Elias. Uh, I don't see the machine wanting to keep this battle going hot and heavy because you know there are going to be a lot of a lot of deaths on the side that are going to be ta- that are going to take place because of it. So, if the machine has decided it wants to keep Elias, I don't think it's going to then say, "Well, this time we're going to keep Dominic and just keep playing the two keep keeping them both going until they you know beat each other to a pulp and then there's all this uh uh all the carnage
0: around them because of that. I I I I don't think that that might I don't think it'll happen. Okay. Hey by the way, chat room is is giving us a nice little uh response here. We did have the code of the 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 vault right and it was one zero three zero seven four which was clearly a date and I hadn't even googled the date I thought it might be something that we would need to remember for the future Uh, the chat room here uh, Andrew is saying that ten thirty seventy four is also significant with boxing and sure enough I just I just googled the date just googled the date that's all I did Google comes to the rescue that is the rumble in the jungle a fight between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman and in that but one, that one, you know, who the winner won. was in that yeah. one.
1: Ali won that one. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. Maybe. Well, that's
1: the one that that uh, uh, that uh, that Elias picked. He picked that for his his vault combination. So why would he pick that particular one? Maybe it was at the time. Maybe at the time he was making that, he was the young buck, you know, taking over the old guard.
0: Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. He did talk about how he just renovated the, the upper floor though, so I don't think he's had that vault set up Too that long. long. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. I love the boxing uh Easter eggs in this episode. Well in that
1: scene we had Dominic after after Elias and Reese leave. Indeed the Brotherhood do show up at Gino's place. And Dominic is making the same play to Gino as he did. To the um, the number two guy from the gang last week, and I don't remember the name of the gang, right? But uh, you know, kind of the, the second banana saying, "Hey, you know, if you take out the top banana, I'm going to give you, you know, power and money and da 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 da." And so, uh, you know, so he's making the same play. It looks like that's what his mo is going to be is going around and trying to get all the lieutenants to go after the general. Uh, but the thing is, too, the uh, the accountant Bruce, really is the real number two. I I think. Uh, he's 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 keeping track of the money. That's the most important thing you can do after organization. Is you keeping track of the money and you know what's going on. And I think that uh, uh, you know uh, the brotherhood is trying to you know bring him along, but he th- that's not going to happen because uh, uh, he doesn't want to run the business with Elias out of the picture. Because as we find out later, of course, this is a a brotherhood as well, essentially uh, of, a, uh, of a of of a. Of a, I think a stronger nature than simply by name, as uh, as his Dominic's gang. This is a brotherhood that has been around since you know so that that boys' home was was happening. So uh, it, it was a very interesting play. But I think in some cases, guys like Gino, yeah, they'll flip. Guys like uh, Bruce, nope, not going to happen.
0: Yeah, you know the Dominic's got a couple of flaws in his plan. This, as as far as I can see, one is that he's promising everybody more than what they had before. Now that's only going to work out if he has fewer of these guys so that each one of them gets a larger proportion of the same amount of turf, or he's going to need more, a larger area of turf, which, you know, if he's owning all of New York, you know, that's all they say. He's going to own the streets of New York. I don't know if that's all the boroughs or just a section of it, but if it's all of the boroughs that Elias currently has, then there's not much more territory to be gained. So, you know what I mean? He he may be overpromising, is what I'm trying to get at here. He may be overpromising, and at that point, all these guys are gonna at some point at some point they, these guys are gonna look at him and go, "Yo, dude, you promised me more than what I had before, and you haven't delivered on that." And it's not gonna take too long of that for these guys to start to doubt him or come against him. And the other thing that I think is really really significant, the other flaw I see in his plan. Is is the final conversation that we had between him and his number two guy, whose whose name I haven't committed to memory? You know, he's all bandaged up. The number two guy is, and Dominic's like, "Hey, those guys died. That's all right. We'll just get new ones." In other words, they're disposable. And if his people start to feel like he thinks that they're disposable, then they're not going to be. You know, we all die in the end. If that's his philosophy, and and so hey, you die. That's, that's no big deal. I'll replace you they're not going to get on board with that either. Elias has shown that he cares about his people and that's a significant thing too. So when Anthony looked at the other number two guy, when he sat in that chair and said, one day you may be sitting in a chair that looks very identical to the very, very similar to this. um, That's, that's a little thing that I think he planted in that guy's mind. And that could be something that will come back to haunt Dominic is his lack of commitment to the people or overpromising things to, to people and not being able to follow through with those promises.
1: When that conversation was happening, yes, I, I thought maybe Dominic's number two is his chink in the armor. What is he? What, 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 what does Dominic really have that in, in uh, store for me? He may have been thinking, you know, we all die in the end. So I'm as expendable as those guys, those mm. soldiers who are out there doing the, uh, doing the hard work. So yeah, I think that's going to be the way that, uh, that Elias can get in. I, I think too that with Dominic going through and Promising, you know, maybe he may be overpromising, but the thing is, too, that gets the people on his side, and then after that, he can he can weed things out uh, as he sees necessary. You know, anybody who is not one hundred percent committed, you know, yeah, I promised you this, but you aren't committed to the to this particular cause, so out you go. Uh, I I can see that uh, that I can see him doing that very easily. So I don't think that's going to bite him too much. But what I think is going to bite him is his his philosophy: as we all die in the end that doesn't work if you don't all share that philosophy. And I don't think his number two does.
0: Yeah. I don't think everyone's willing to, to just say, well, it, it's my time, which man, Anthony's death scene was, was very poignant. We'll, we'll get to that. You know, as we work through the episode here, by the way, while you were talking there, I was, I was looking at the article I have pulled up here with Foreman and Ali. Now I'm not a boxing buff. I didn't, I don't know the history of boxing. So some of you who are listening, who, who are probably were yelling at us a moment ago. Um, <laughs> Ali is several years older than Foreman, so at least you know enough that that it might have been again, I'm not a boxing buff here, so some uh-huh. if, if some of our listeners may know this, but it could be that Foreman being the younger guy when it when it was rumble in the jungle time was the new guard Ali won that fight that we just talked about, so again, the older guy won on that rumble oh, in the okay. jungle you know the the date that we were just talking about ten thirty seventy four so that that's that does stand in what we were just relaying with with foreman in the picture beating the younger guy in both cases the older guy won those two fights so that that might be they might be saying the exact same thing after all
1: okay so it's, so we're really pushing home the idea that uh, old guys are down but they may not be out
0: that's right okay that bodes well for you doug wow does it ever thank you Sorry, I couldn't resist. You're not that much older than <laughs> thank, me. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's swing her back around here, I guess. So uh, where do we want to go here? I don't know where we're at because I, I was looking at that article. I don't know where you're at in the notes. I'm sorry.
1: Well, I, I don't know where I am either, but I wanted to go back to Fusco. Okay. At one point, Martine is trying to figure out what's going on as far as the escaping from um, – uh, Root and Shaw escaping from her, and she comes up on Fusco, and the man just had. They, they did a great job with him in terms of acting this one out. But um, she's asking him, you know, information. Oh, I'm from the DEA and such and such, and it just so happens that he's on the phone with Finch, who's the man with the computers. But uh, but his uh, <laughs> his calling her bluff on the. Uh, well, I'll just call your. Uh, your supervisor? Oh, you're with uh, Cooper. Yeah, I'll just call him and uh, we'll check and make sure that you get written in on this. You know, oh, oh wait, wait, that's okay. Well, we'll just uh, maybe they're just they get their reasons or something. Yeah, uh, he he had a, a little bit of a smirk on his face. Uh, I like that. You know, this is again, this is this is our comic relief in the in the episode or in, in general. You know, Fusco is is often that, but uh, but he does a really fine job of. You know working through that and uh, you know calling a bluff and and making it uh, you know, diffusing the situation very nicely
0: yeah it seems like these it's often we, we talked about this quite a bit last season when we were doing the show with TV talk but we've often thought of Fusco as kind of this the almost a bumbling cop. And he's he's not. He he's shown himself time and time again to be a very capable cop. Last season, when he was tied to the chair, we talked about that earlier, mm-hmm. uh, was one of his best moments. But he has shown himself to be quite skilled. And this is another one of those scenes where he has to read her in a moment and make the right decision. It's not until after he's done with her that that uh, Finch says, "Yeah, don't trust her." You know, and I and you mentioned the comic relief. You know, yeah, I was watching the whole thing on your on your on your. Computer camera there, and he puts a little Hulu girl in front. I hate it when you do that. You know, that was hilarious. So great scene. Loved loves it for both of those reasons.
1: And speaking of Finch, Finch, you know, comes riding to the rescue as uh, as he can't get a hold of uh, can't get Fusco out of what he's doing, and he shows up with his laptop, and he's trying to figure out where everybody is in the building. So when you know when uh, I think he was talking to Reese at the at the time, and. He says he uses the local Wi Fi as a passive radar. And I'm thinking, huh? Yeah. Okay, now we have had a few situations where they have. Okay, we've got this whole UHF network for communication off the grid. The cell phone yeah, network, we yeah. We can go with it. We can, okay, maybe. Uh, you know, there's been other things like that, little technological things that make you go, hmm, but okay, we can. This was just, I'm sorry, this was a little bit of deus ex machina, you know? Yes. The the, the machine coming in and saying, okay, you know, abracadabra, now you know where everybody is. That was just a little much. I would have thought that they could have, I don't know, infrared or something, but Wi-Fi, I don't know. What do you think?
0: I I thought it was a little much, too, even for Finch. And and then, you know, with with TV, everything has to have a nice pretty graphic to go along with it. So not only could the Wi-Fi map the building in 3d but it could had a nice little yellow arrow with circle icons for all the guys moving around and I thought,
1: i'm gonna wrap my house in tinfoil now huh? yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right yeah just to make sure that guys like finch can't map my building i don't know that was i'm with you though it was a little bit far-fetched
1: yeah was okay um i want to go back to elias for a sec here okay there was one of my favorite lines in this i put this in our in our uh, little notes as we're watching the show when he goes to go back into the goes back into the building and he's going to try to save anthony and he's holding a gun to reese he doesn't want his help he's protecting him essentially you know reese had mentioned that the last time i gave you a gun you pointed it at me and it was you know not for such a magnanimous purpose this time he is he's saying i'm going back in you're staying out here i'm saving your life and i forget the context in which he said it what? But he said uh, it is, it's going to get violent. The world is a violent place. The best we can hope to do is protect the ones closest to us. I thought that was a fantastic line. Um, that's one of the things that we we should be uh, uh, striving to do in uh, you know in this violent world. That sort of thing. But uh, you know, I just I liked his. It gave us his motivation again because I, I don't think even at that point do we really understand the nature of the relationship between he and Antonio. So right. it was. It was. It was a great little, you know, uh, you, you, another hint along the way that says, uh, you know, this is somebody that I that I do care about and I want to, you know, try to try to save. But yes, we understand the world is a violent place, and there are, you know, there's 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 certain things we can do about it, and one of that one of those is to protect those closest to us. So I thought that was a great uh, a great sentiment coming out of the mouth of Elias of all people
0: yeah it really did paint elias in a in a in a different light I mean he's still a mob guy all right hmm. fine um we when we first see him get to the penthouse the first thing he does is grab that picture we don't see the picture we don't we don't you know get enough screen time with it there to know what it is but you know that he's not gonna grab a picture if it's not significant to him in some way and then for the rest of the episode where he's trying so hard to get back up to the penthouse. I mean, yeah, I had the feeling that he wanted to save Anthony, but it was also like, does he also want to get back to the vault? You know what, what's really going on here? Is is it both reasons? One reason why Anthony, why, why is it, is there something more there? And as the episode played out, and especially as I watched it the second time and knew the vault meant nothing to him, the vault was either, I think he, he had two ideas with the vault. One was, to set it, and arm it, you know, and and hopefully, as as the bad guys pass through, they'll get blown up, boom, uh, or two, you know, you at least do what happened, where he set it up as a as a you know a trap for them to want to get into and blow themselves up, and that worked out, you know, probably half as good as he would have liked. It was all about Anthony. It was all about Anthony. And as as we see the story unfold and we get the picture that they're at very end with Bruce and Elias and Anthony, and we. understand the true brotherhood he even mentions that line this is what this is what a true brotherhood is and it was really nice it was really well done well written the the storytelling was great where they didn't reveal it all at one time and and kind of allowed us to play along and uh i I loved this part of it it really did make you see elias as not just a, a cunning mob boss but someone who really does for those who are closest to him he really does care and and as you see those scenes where he's talking to anthony and then Anthony's like, "Boss, I think it's time. I think we gotta. I think we need to open the vault." You know, Anthony knows he's not saying we need to open the vault and give him what's inside. Anthony is saying, "Boss, we gotta blow it up, and that's gonna kill me." We're there. This is the end of our relationship. We have come to this point. It's really magnificent. I, I, there's just a lot of uh, uh, power, and it was a very powerful scene watching it for the second time today and seeing what's really being communicated between those two guys. And I wonder too if I thought cuz I thought Anthony was uh wounded was he wounded
1: before or after they got to the vault?
0: He got shot as as Elias and Reese were making their way down the stairs they had they had got to the vault, opened up the back door and then as as they're escaping Anthony's kind of trying to cover them and he gets shot then. That's the first time he got wounded, I believe.
1: So I'm wondering if there really was something in that vault that Elias wanted to get uh get a hold of. But was willing to part with, I would, I think it would have been better if, I mean, in terms of, a, of a, an emotional impact, if we had known what he was trying to get out of there. Or, you know, if it really was just a ploy to get them near it and then ha- have it blow up, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, so as I'm saying, I, because Anthony, if all had gone to, to uh, his plan, he could have opened it right there with plenty of time. And unless, like you said, maybe he was a, they could have. Turned on a proximity thing, and then
0: well, he calls it the failsafe later on in the episode. You know, he tells John that that was his failsafe if his enemies ever came after him. So I don't think there was anything in the vault no. other than it was just a detonation device. No, it could very well be. Yeah, and, and Barb's pointing out too that Elias showed how much he cared for John in this episode by really trying to, to keep John out of the out of the line of fire so that he could sacrifice himself.
1: This is. I think a fantastic again it's, it's it's the writing it goes on here we have some great actors here but it's uh, the writing team is just fantastic and what we have in this show is sometimes we do sometimes we don't but uh, most times we do we have very complex characters the bad guys aren't snidely whiplash you know they aren't you know all bad nothing redeeming uh, we see more of their motivations their loyalties and it's not all i'm loyal to you because you pay my you pay me or because uh because i have power because of what you have you know you know you with the organization here and all that stuff this is you know um uh i i i, like I said a natural an organic bond that these three guys had and uh as you know, no doubt elias is a bad guy he's running you know mob essentially uh he has killed a lot of people in cold blood there's no doubt about that but at the same time we get to see a little bit, you know, what's behind him. What is he thinking? What? He's not just out there to just I'm just want to cause mayhem. He's not the Joker. Uh he's not uh not the Joker from the from the first uh Batman uh, uh movie. Uh, you know, just 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 mayhem and trying to, you know, destroy Gotham just for fun. This is a man who's got uh reasons for everything he does. Even though the things he does aren't all that good, but uh, but so it's I like the complex characterization and it makes you kind of you know root for the bad guy every so often in certain situations and understand that you know he's doing something good like Barb said because he cares about John he has had a lot of history with Team Machine in general and so he 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 really does care about them
0: yeah and they've they've treated him very fairly in the past and you know Finch and Elias have. respect for each other if nothing else i mean they definitely aren't going to be spending thanksgiving with each other or sending each Mm -hmm. other christmas cards or vacationing together because they don't share a similar worldview in that way but they do have a mutual respect for each other and they do see how each one of them can can be of benefit in certain situations to the other party and and elias has really shown himself to be to not just be a ruthless mob boss uh, mob boss yes ruthless no and i think that's a significant difference between him and dominic and i think it's going to be dominic's downfall when he says that dominic's downfall is weakness is his hubris and I, you know i love the the way it was acted there I, I, we need to learn the actor's name i need to learn the actor's name that plays dominic but he you know he play. He, he, you could tell he, he it took him a couple of seconds to figure out my weakness what's oh oh turn the don't don't, you know, stop with the numbers. <laughs> and it was too late. Uh, it was good. I, I liked it. This is really set up to be a, a great battle. I mean, it didn't get solved here. It didn't get ended here. It got escalated here. It got taken to a, you know, the game is afoot to a whole new level between these two characters. And it will involve the machine. And it, therefore, it will involve Samaritan. And uh, I, I don't know. Is this going to be a season-long arc or is it going to be a multi-season long arc? What do you think?
1: My guess is is season long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I this would be this would be um, um what was the name of the uh the folks who were uh, the revolutionary you took like, revolutionary war names last season.
0: Oh sure, yeah. Uh mm-hmm.
1: uh yes, yeah, you know, kind of a one season thing for them. I I would like to see them back, although in this case it would be too many too many uh, pieces on the board. Right. Uh Anthony's last words had me uh, wondering he said uh, before he died and we heard it one more time i believe later in the episode invictus maneo yeah and looked that one up and it's latin for i remain unconquered or unvanquished and that kind of that kind of speaks to something of a hubris as well you can't beat me is essentially what uh, what he's saying or maybe you didn't beat me this time and you know so much for that, buddy! Ha ha ha! You know, so there could be a little bit of uh, a little bit of hubris on the part of Elias. There, I mean, you don't get to be a mob boss without having a little hubris, you know. So uh, there's 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 something at some plenty of that to go around. But that was um, the uh, uh, it's something for the user for the uh, listener, the watcher to uh, to look up and find out what was going on because we didn't they don't really explain it in the in the episode, and that's you know so, okay. Not going to f- spoon feed everything to you. We got to go look it up. Like, oh, I don't know, 103074.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, every week I talk about how much I enjoy the blog from over there at our, our friends from IGN. And uh, Matt Fowler, I, you know, most of the time I really like what he does. This week he started out his blog. He says, There were a few subheads I could have used for this review of The Devil, you know. By the way, his title for this review is called Invictus Mineo. And he says, I could have used the game within the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I could have used, there's always a way out. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. He says, but I figured Elias's and Scarface's final words, which translate to, I remain unvanquished stood a bit taller than the rest. But, But I like what he did there with the beginning of his blog, just pointing out that there were some messages being sent through this episode. All three of those that he pointed out, I think were, are significant. And, uh, Elias always has a back door, always has a way out, yes, he does. you know he managed that again unfortunately in this in this time, it came with the death of his number two, his lifelong friend anthony and um, that
1: explosion was was his uh his alternate back door too apparently
0: yep, that's right ultimate back door, you're right, very good, and the game within the game I mean that's dialogue that. They had multiple times Dominic and and Elias shared back and forth. And like I said, the game is a foot to a different level. Well, that's essentially what happened there. Um, so a lot of good things being being established here in the, in this episode,
1: and a lot of things being figured out. And once again, the last five minutes were, are not miss television. Uh, a couple of things: Greer figures out that Samaritan has a blind spot, and so he needs to give Martine a little more. I don't know, technology a little more room to move. I didn't quite catch what he was showing her at the end there. Did you see what that was?
0: It looked like more people. You know, he has figured out that the highest intelligence to best intelligence they can have is that of human intelligence, and so I think he gave her a whole team of mm, people okay. to boots work with on the with. ground. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, boots on the ground.
1: And then Dominic starts to figure it out too. He's realizing that he has, well he realized earlier, I believe he said that somebody was protecting Elias, mm-hmm. and then he starts to figure out, okay, we've got Reese or what has he calls it Riley. Um, did he have Shaw or root? I didn't quite catch the picture he was
0: using. He uh, had he had a Shaw. A, a, Shaw? Picture okay, of Shaw. a picture shot. Okay, mm-hmm.
1: And then the question mark at the top, which is clearly Harold, the one right. he says is bankrolling at bank all. Bankroll, right? So we're just we, the, the the different uh, the different groups are starting to figure out the connections here. This is not going to be kind of like the HR thing. The HR thing was completely outside of the rest of the the rest of the battle going on, the rest of the numbers coming up, and all that stuff. It was just a, just an HR thing. Now. This is more a team machine versus Greer versus Brotherhood, you know, with you know, and, and while well, they're saving Elias and that that sort of thing. So we are really interleaving all of these uh, these different uh, storylines into one, and uh, so people are just starting to figure it out now as far as the characters are going. I thought that was really good to uh, to show how this is all coming together. Look out!
0: Yeah. Interleaving is a great way of putting that, and it it's making for a very nice cohesive story. It's not this and that, like you mentioned with, the, with what we had with HR. Although that did, it had some moments, you know, like like you, if you're turning left and the guy in front of you is turning left, you have moments where your blinkers are in sync, and we had that type of thing with HR. But these feel like they're they're really coming together, interleaving, as you said, uh, to become one meshed storyline. So uh it feels good it feels it feels more natural
1: well uh you know we had a b story
0: we did not not much of one
1: (laughs) we did but we did yes and actually we started out with the b story we did and uh i loved (laughs) again we talk about fusco being uh comic relief but shaw can you know hold her own in that department as well and speaking of departments in the you know makeup department you don't often get a firefight not 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 usually at least right but uh she uh she does that and and very calmly asks for a raise you know at the same time it's really good
0: live or die man depends on if you give me a raise (laughs) i liked how they had like the uh the cameras with their red light you know pointing the way towards Shaw. that was really clever
1: well i you know yeah so i I, i'm imagining samaritan doing that you know trying to train all the cameras on her but you know as you see the i was thinking for you know that kind of
0: thing <laughs> sorry i will laugh at bsg references knowing that that's what it is but i won't fully comprehend them sorry <laughs> yes indeedy but yeah so
1: the machine now here that that's the thing too i liked that we were getting a little more complex in this because this was a threat a, clearly a threat to shaw yes that you know wait a minute wouldn't her number come up so there is there's not only the blind spot that Samaritan has been programmed with thanks to root but Samaritan has figured out how to give the machine a blind spot who knows how how you would do something like that uh, unless you know, this is just not being able to see Martine at all or whatever. But mm-hmm. wow, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. And that was a, that was thank you for letting the
0: viewer know that, and yes. have, instead of having us figure it out, wow, or or by having us accuse them of saying, oh, this was a plot hole. It should, you know, <laughs> they addressed it straight on, which was really important. I mean, that's that's yeah. pretty scary <laughs> when you think about uh, the there could be a blind spot of that significance. So. And so Shaw's used up
1: one of her one and only identity. You know, she's talking to the roommate. Yeah. Hey, you come, yours come a dime a dozen for crying out loud. It's like eh, don't make the rules, girl. Yeah, you just gotta just gotta roll with it, I guess. Uh, well, and I think that be- it's because Root is more in touch with the machine. Had been in the past, not so much uh, now, but still is uh, very trusting and will do. Will be the essentially the automaton of of the machine. We we kind of. Uh, think that she's got the, the, you know, the inside track on it, and she's she's doing a better job of listening to it. But you know, sometimes you, you might just think well, she's just a puppet. You know, she's not doing uh, anything of her own accord. And very, but now she's had to recently this this season because she doesn't have that connection. But um, but yeah, so she she's um, she is more likely to because she had been in 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 previous seasons. She would uh, when she was doing things for the machine. She would just. P- 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 exactly what needed to be done and so that's why she gets all these identities you're welcome yeah like dixie cups there you are stack them all up or or like little uh, uh matryoshka dolls you know pull one off there's another yeah. one inside pull one off another one inside
0: yeah now we've seen a few a few times this season where root has expressed some care for shaw and, and i don't know if it's platonic or if it's if it's more than that or if she wants it to be more than that but I think it's at least worth pointing out here that, you know, Root who, when we first met her, didn't really seem to have a lot of care for people. It was more technology that she had care for. Mm -hmm. In this episode, she was going to do whatever she needed to do to protect Shaw. She always calls Shaw by her first name, which I think is significant because she's the only one we ever hear do that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's really nice. Like I said, I don't know what, at least on her end, what, on Root's end, what she wishes this relationship was or if there's anything more that she wishes it was. I haven't been able to figure that out. I kind of get vibes both ways. But at the very least, she cares very deeply for Shaw, and that's a, that's a nice little uh, character arc that we've got her on with that.
1: Well, here's the thing. I was thinking about that. Who has she related to best in the past? Where did she get herself, uh, her own moniker, Root? From computers. hmm And one of her issues with dealing with people was the emotional, you know, attachments, the emotional issues. She was just very matter-of-fact. What is Shaw's issue? Lack of
0: emotion. hmm
1: And I'm wondering if that's kind of, you know, that's, that's something she's drawn to.
0: Uh, that's a fantastic observation, Doug. Um, I think that's, that's really, that could be it. I mean, we saw even in this episode... Where, well, a little bit though, uh, it shows some growth on, on Shaw's part where Shaw it, it makes no concern for her own life. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I don't care if I die or not. And, and Root won't let, won't let her make that decision. You know, so Root is looking out for Shaw in that way. Uh, but Shaw's going crazy, wanting to go guns blazing so she can protect John and she does care for him. Mm-hmm. and I don't think there's any type of romantic attraction there. I think she just really uh cares about John. They're a great team and and the team looks out for each other and and you know she cares about him in in, in the very appropriate way that way um and so you know we see this her her showing emotion um uh, by the way that she's went to, to she's willing to sacrifice herself or injure herself or put herself in harm's way uh to help to help john out so a lot of i mean this team is really come together uh, where they had their dysfunctional issues last season. This, this season, it's everyone looking out for each other because that's all they have.
1: Well, I just want to know what Shaw's going to, if Shaw's going to have that same uh, feeling when she wakes up. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh yeah, man, there's yeah. going to be, there's going to be some uh, things hitting fans when, uh, when that happens. Wow.
0: That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be fun i think it'll be fun more than anything else i don't think their relationship will be uh on the line i but i it should hopefully make for some some good uh images harold's gonna screen. have
1: to be there trying to you know in the front line to hold on calm down and whatnot maybe even reese you know yeah <laughs> before she goes tearing
0: after yeah. tearing after root that's that may be a while though they gave her enough tranquilizer to, to knock out a bull so she may be out for a while and it's always the biggest needle. You, I mean, it's like a needle that's two inches long. <laughs> I mean, that's the way TV always does it. There's never that's a right. small needle.
1: Go, Could have gone straight through her neck for crying out loud. Man, alive. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Uh, it was good. I liked the B story, even though it was just a little bit here and there. Uh, from the action scenes to the relationship scenes, it was really, really nice. Mm, and they kind of, the whole relationship thing, again, it's a kind of interleaving with the A story mm-hmm. there. What else, Doug? Anything else we need to tackle on this one? I think we've talked it to death. All right. All right. Let's hit the code on the vault and move on to uh, surveillance in the news before it blows up. Surveillance
1: in the news. I found a website called NextGov. It's an information resource for federal technology decision makers. At least that's what they say it is. You never know. Their headline here is DHS, Department of Homeland Security set to destroy government-wide network surveillance records. Now, some people might go, ooh, that's interesting. The Department of Homeland Security is poised to ditch all records from a controversial network monitoring system called Einstein that are at least three years old. But not for security reasons. DHS reasons the files, which include data about traffic to government websites, agency network intrusions, and general vulnerabilities, have no research significance, but some security experts say, to the contrary, DHS would be deleting a treasure chest of historic threat data. and privacy experts who wish the metadata wasn't collected at all say that destroying it, now they didn't want to collect it at all, but they say that destroying it could eliminate evidence that the government-wide surveillance system does not perform as intended.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you've you know you, you, we don't want it. They've been collecting it now. We want. They're going to delete it, but we don't want them to delete it. You know. So it's this is this is a complex issue. Clearly, uh, according to Homeland Security's rationale, there is quote quickly diminishing value for most of the data collected pursuant to intrusion detection, prevention, and analysis. Um, there is a three year retention period for keeping this information, and so it's. But they it can keep it longer if they want. But their issue is we just don't have any place to stash it anymore. So that's a very interesting little thing. It's 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 one of those things where oh yeah they've been collecting this this privacy data. I don't want them to keep it anymore. Okay, but is this going to also get rid of any evidence of what they were really collecting? You know, all not just you know X Y and Z, but A B C and D as well. Did they fail to collect all the proper information? Are they screwing up? You know, uh, you know that sort of thing. So because information about. Intrusion into government computers is, you know, it could be cyber terrorism from some country somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So you do want to keep that information. You want to be able to analyze it and see what your vulnerabilities are. So it's a it, that's a tough decision too. So anyway, uh, yes. But other people, yeah, you know, somebody said that the Einstein data would be likely be a goldmine for researchers uh, as it documents attacks against very specific networks in a consistent way over a large extent of time. So maybe it is worth keeping. Mm. That's uh, that's our opinion. We welcome yours. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I always love the stuff you dig up. You're like Finch, being able to find <laughs> things from all corners of the interwebs.
1: Yeah, this this I had never heard of this website before, but uh, and and you know I try to uh, make sure that it's semi sort of reliable, you know, a reliable source. But uh, but that's but that's an, and we'll have a link to it so you can do your own looking uh, in the show notes.
0: Sounds good. All right, man, you ready for some feedback? I certainly am. I am too. We got some good stuff this week. Let's get it kicked off with Barb.
3: Hi, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's POI Epi, The Devil You Know. I'm going to give this Epi nine moving bands. This could have been the midseason break, and I would have been very happy. I was surprised by the outcome. I thought we would lose a major character, but was pleased that we didn't. Here are some of my observations Elias will now be focused on revenge for Anthony's death. He will be deliberate but ruthless, and this could cause angst to Harold, as too many people may fall victim in this personal war, including innocent people that Harold would want to save. The first seeds of doubt have been sown within Dominic's organization. Would you be willing to die for your boss? Elias built his organization based on camaraderie and trust. Dominic doesn't have that. People are disposable to him. This will likely cause al- his ultimate downfall. Samaritan has shown its limitations, and Martine is going back to old-fashioned gumshoe detective work to find our team. She has now seen the face of Fusco, and our team is completely exposed. He bluffed extremely well, but he's also now at risk. Our team is known, and I still think someone will be gone before season's end. When Shaw wakes up, she and Root are going to have one heck of a confrontation, which should be amusing to watch. Shaw is not one to sit on the sideline, and her desire for action could cause problems for her teammates. The episodes we have seen lately have focused on relationships and have noted the limitations of the two machines, reminding us that for all our technology, it is the bond we have with people that really matters. It is interesting to watch the writers explore this as we have been heavily into the machine mythology for quite a while. I'm guessing that after the winter break, we'll see more of the machines again, striking a balance between people and the machines. Thanks for all you guys have done on the podcast. Wishing you and all the rest of our listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. That's it for this week. This is Barb signing out and reconsidering that home safe purchase.
1: <laughs> Make sure there's no C4 behind it. You right. know, the door there. Yeah, I like that, I, that, that, that concept of the bond with people because up until this point, and there's been some of that uh, throughout this series, but mo- a lot of the series has been... The wonder of this machine being able to predict what people are going to do and then trying to insert, you know, the team machine into their lives and and deal with them. But it's mostly been a, uh, there haven't been many relationships there. Uh, This season, we're kind of getting, you know, switching focuses, so to speak, on the connections between people. And less of the machine versus Samaritan uh, battle. So I see. So that's that's true. I I really like that uh, that observation.
0: I do too. Yeah, and hopefully we'll get more. Uh, the machine stuff has been good, you know. It, but it, the last few episodes, it's been they haven't come to a head real strongly, which has been fine. But I I would like to see more direct conflict between uh, which it seems like it will. I mean, after what happened with Shaw and Martine this week, it seems like it's a, a precursor to a bigger battle that's just just about to break out
1: all right well andrew who is in the chat room as well sent in some feedback he said i rate the w you know simply x which if we're doing you know latin phrases they're in roman numerals that would be a perfect 10 thank you martin being suspicious of fusco after the faux drug stop got me really nervous but kudos for to fusco for holding his own With that, the danger Shaw was in and the way Dominic was closing in on Elias, the sense of vulnerability was at its most tangible so far this season. The theme of relationships did make this feel like part two to last week's episode. I think those relationships suggest an extension to this episode's title, The Devil You Know is Every Potentially Dangerous Connection. Mm. Fosco, for example, knows four. That's true, four different people, not necessarily all the... Uh, the backstory of what's going on—that's true. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he knows Ford. Uh, Andrew continues along those lines. I wonder if he's now becoming more inquisitive about the bigger picture. And I will say, uh, I would—I th- would think that if Dominic can figure that out, uh, a police detective might be might, might at least. Be cons- be wondering about it. What's what's the whole big deal? How have these people known this information?
0: Or he may he may be at a point now where because he he knows that from the he's known from the beginning these guys are doing something and that he's in the dark on it. But now that he's been confronted face to face and has faced a threat of sense of of a sense, and, and it's reasonable to think that he could be faced with a, a a more dire threat. You know, he may go to Finch and then say, "Look, man, you got to let me in on this deal. I got to know what I'm facing." So I could I could see that happening. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Asking for it. That's true. Uh, Andrew continues
1: There were quite a few parallels to Elias's first episode, Witness, which made me think he would be killed. The send off for Scarface was sad, but epic. Since Elias survived, I'm intrigued to see how he'll factor in going forward. Thank you very much, Andrew. Yeah, this is going to be, I think he's going, this is going to be the main, uh, the main battle. We're going to see. I mean, the the whole technology thing, I think Barbara's right, we're going to see more in this uh, season of the relationships of the the people conflicts versus the machine conflicts, although the machine conflict in this episode really did get a a few steps moving forward as each side realizes that, uh, or, or mostly the Samaritan side realizes, it has a blind spot, number one, but number two, it has figured out that it can create a blind spot for the machine, so you know, a little tit-for-tat here. And uh, so I, I think that is still moving forward while concentrating on the, uh, the personal relationships. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, if you've got some feedback, normally the deadline's Thursday at 6, but don't send anything between now and then. It's just going to, you know, we're not going to do one on Thanksgiving. Sorry. But on normal weeks when we have a person of interest episode, you can call... 304-837-2278. Or you can go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. That has a zillion... Okay, three. Um, three ways to get in touch with us. One of which is text. You could just type something in and send it to us. You can record your own audio file and upload it there. Or, even simpler... Because we like to get your voices on here because especially sometimes pronunciations might uh, throw us. And it's good to have, you know, your voice here and not just us again, you know. So anyway, speak pipe. Oh, it's a great thing. You click on the the graphic and we'll just turn on your computer's microphone and you speak away and you say when you're done, you're done. It's wonderful.
0: That's all you got to do. It is wonderful.
1: It, it's fantastic.
0: You can also connect with us socially. Um Facebook.com slash Golden Spiral Media. That's the main Facebook account for this specific podcast. We are the Facebook group Person of Interest GSM. So look for that group. You can follow us on Twitter at POI Podcast G S M. Of course, the main Golden Spiral Media Twitter account is GSM Podcasts. I am Mar Darrell on Twitter and Doug Payton is. Doug Payton on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I
1: spent. Well, I was set up all night thinking about that username.
0: Well, you did well. It was. I'm sure it was tough, but you. you it looks like you came out on top, man.
1: <laughs> I beat it. <laughs> okay. Uh, for next week, well, we don't have anything going on next week. Well, there's a repeat from uh, uh, season three. Here. Doc H, I believe, sent uh, some information. Yeah, yeah, he he sent this off to us. This is from the futon critic. Mm-hmm. I don't have a futon in my house, unfortunately, so I can't critique it. But anyway. So, uh, supposedly, uh, December 2nd, repeat. December 16th is going to be a new episode. So be looking for that. 23rd, going to be a repeat. Thank goodness. And then we're going to be back with a new episode on January 6th. So, uh, didn't pull up the, uh, the names here, but, you know, no spoilers here. Not too mm-hmm. much. Uh, but anyway, so, so December 16th, mark your calendar, and then January 6th.
0: Yeah, and that's the same thing they did last year, where they they took a week or two. They took a week off, and then had one episode, and then took two weeks off, and then came back in January. I, I don't know. I'd rather them just take off and come back and and be off for three weeks, but but whatever it is, it looks like December sixteenth will be the the only new episode that we'll get for the month of December.
1: Now, Doc H did mention that that's uh, not in concrete necessarily, so. Uh, but uh, if the futon critic says it, you know, who who am I, you know, to judge his futon? You know,
0: so there you are. <laughs> yeah. So that does mean that you and I will be taking next week off. Yes, that'll be nice. Uh, you know, get
1: a little uh, little break, you know. We've had, uh, we mm-hmm. had one week off since the beginning of the season, so we'll
0: get another one. That's right. Gets, in, in fact, I guess Christmas we're going to take two done. weeks off, right? Because we'll have the second, that'll be a rerun, uh, the... Following will be the ninth. Oh, that's true.
1: The 9th it was Yeah, he true. didn't listed. to on 9th. So two
0: weeks, yeah. So, yeah. Man, Doug, I'm going to miss you, man. I'm going to have to reintroduce myself. <laughs> and you were I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just take a big fat tranquilizer, and when I wake up, it'll be time to podcast again.
1: <laughs> yeah, you won't know what happened. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's right.
1: And I want to thank uh, Doc H. for letting me know that MythArc is an actual word, Oh, yeah, yeah. threw a, a couple of uh, a couple of uh, uh, things in there from uh, Wikipedia and Wick- Wiktionary, and you know, myth arc is an actual word. It's about an extended or continuing storyline in an otherwise episodic uh, thing, like you know, television, comic books, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So thank you very much. Myth arc is an actual word. Very good.
0: Well, all right. Well, thank you to Doc for that. Thanks to Barb and Andrew and Scott for uh, chiming in on this episode. Doug thanks to you for uh, talking about person of interest with me.
1: Oh, Daryl, this has been fun. Thank you so much for your wonderful insights. You know, I I like uh, the fact that you are the you know, the guy who's talking about the in-depth things and and I'm talking about the wonderful, uh, you know, ooh, how lots of explosions and the, oh, the <laughs> syringes and you know,
0: I don't know about that, but it's <laughs> always fun, that's for sure. Well, we'll be back after the next new episode of Person of Interest, will be, which will be the week of December the 16th, and we thank you for tuning in for this episode of Person of Interest podcast, and until then, I think I'm going to go out and brush up on my Latin. Yeah,
1: that's good, and if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in a suit watching over you, or, you know, Root with a big syringe putting you to sleep.